Welcome to Stuff You Should Know, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark, and there's Charles W. Chuck Bryant, and there's Trooper Jerry Rowland out there somewhere, or Scout. You know, you know what I'm talking about. And this is Stuff You Should Know. Uh, be prepared. I am uh, preparedish. Yeah, I wonder if Jerry. I wonder if Jerry was a Girl Scout. I know we didn't get a chance to ask because it's all business with her. She's just busy, busy, busy. I know she had to leave to go to a meeting, but my guess is that. What do you think? Let's wager. I, I think yes. <laughs> I think there's actually a one in three chance that she was because Chuck. That is the stat. The astounding stat. That one in every three American adult women were a Girl Scout at some point in time. Yeah. I think they're currently around the 2.6 million level. And it varies between two and a half to three million, kind of depending what's going on. And I think in recent years, its numbers have gone down a little bit. Mm. Uh, and they're always trying to get those numbers up. So, but but what I what I've seen is that it is remarkably <laughs> steady, though it's it hovers around that same that same amount. And I've seen that that's the total number of Girl Scouts. I've also seen that that includes the adult volunteers, and that at any given time, there's about 1.7 million Girl Scouts, active Girl Scouts in the United States, and that they usually hang in there for about four years is the average length of time, which is pretty good. That was longer than my Boy Scout or Cub Scout run, I can tell you. How long was your run? I think it was M- about was a year. <laughs> okay. I had a real problem at a young age of the uh-huh. idea of giving respect to elders just because they were old. <laughs> like, I was like, no, I feel like there's a lot of old jerks out there who don't really deserve to be treated particularly special. So sure, that was my big issue with it. The problem is, is my dad was the den leader, and mm. he decided to to be a good role model and stick it out. So without were, you, yes, but with me watching TV like in the house at the same time when we That's they were having great. ten meetings. Yeah. <laughs> so the upshot of all this, long story short, is my dad doesn't really like me. Right. Uh, that's the upshot of most of your stories. <laughs> yeah. um, my Cub Scouting lasted one meeting. That was my <laughs> tenure because I went to a Cub Scout meeting, and I, I guess I went during the candy drive, and literally at the first meeting, they were like, here's a bunch of candy. You got to go sell this stuff. Right. And I kind of was just like, what? I don't want to. I don't want to do this. Like, I don't even know what's going on yet. Right, yeah. Why am I working for you? (laughs) That's got to be an odd time to jump in feet first. You know, you kind of want to ease into it a little more. I guess so, but it. it, I didn't do it. My and you know maybe we'll do one on the Boy Scouts at some point too. But my nephew uh, Noah, who is now uh, a grown adult, who is getting married next weekend, actually. Oh, hey, congratulations, Noah! Yeah, Noah and Ellie are getting married, which is great. But he is now an adult, college graduate. But he scouted. He went all the way through, and uh, I was. I always thought that was very cool, and that really shows a stick to uh whether you're a Boy Scout or a Girl Scout, um, to go all the way through the whole process. He's So Noah is Scott's son, right? Correct. Yes. Yeah, I'm not at all surprised that Noah made it yeah. through Eagle Scout. Because also, <laughs> I'm sure that like when Scott was born, they were like, just give this guy the Eagle badge now. Well, he, didn't, he didn't Boy Scout either. He didn't need to. He was an Eagle Scout by birth. <laughs> 
Well, and we also, you know, my dad raised us camping, so he was always just sort of like, you guys don't need to do that stuff because we do all that stuff anyway. Right, right, yeah. And plus also there's some dues (laughs) money, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was sort of the thing. I think Girl Scouts dues money is $25 annually. Mm -hmm. Uh, They do a financial assistance, and then you have to pay for some other – you know, program stuff along the way, but that is a very low fee, and uh, sure. we'll we'll get to this. But the reason it's low is because those Girl Scouts can print money with those cookies. Yeah, I was not familiar with the Girl Scout cookies until I started researching this episode. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> they print money, man. They make like. Uh, four or five hundred million dollars a year off that thing. My friend, the gross revenue, uh, think last year was eight hundred million dollars. I'm sorry, in ni- 2019, 2020 yeah, so was like an off year. Five hundred net, I think, five or six. Okay, yeah, and that's why those dues are so low because <clears throat> they they actually stay with the local councils, which we'll we'll talk more about that. But speaking of Girl Scout cookies, I uh, want to give a shout out. Um, to uh, a couple of troops, one in particular, Troop 1492, because my friend Annabella King is a Girl Scout, a junior Girl Scout in Mm -hmm. that troop. And yes, she is uh, the daughter of Yumi's very close friend, uh, Wheezy. And um, she actually wrote a little bit about what it means to her to be a Girl Scout. If I could share a couple of passages, I think it really gets the point across. I would love to hear it. So Annabella says, and she's been doing this for years by now, she said she's working on her star or her silver award, which there's bronze, silver, and gold. And these are like very prestigious awards for a Girl Scout to go after. So she said she's working on the silver one right now. And in parentheses, it's something really good to have on your resume, by the way. (laughs) That's great. But she says that Girl Scouts is a great opportunity for greater jobs in life gives a pathway to pioneering your own business. They train you to be an entrepreneur in the early stages of life. And here's that cookie thing. Selling the cookies is the way they examine your skill and take Mm -hmm. note of the abilities you may have. It is also showing you what real-life situations may be like. For example, when having a cookie stand out and advertising that you are selling something, you have to put in some enthusiasm. You can't just stand there and wait for others to come walking by. If interested, you have to grab their attention. She is an up-and-coming person. She also says that back (laughs) when she was younger, so she's in the seventh grade, she was saying that um, to her before she was in the Scouts that Girl Scouts were just annoying little girls selling cookies and stealing your money. But I have to say that is probably what a lot of people think as well, but Girl Scouts is something that impacts the community. It brings people together. I love that. I've also got a quote from our good friend John Hodgman, who was a Girl Scout. Uh huh. And he said, "A Yale man never talks about the Girl Scouts." That's right. That's uh, a that's a great like all purpose <laughs> quote from Hodgman. Yeah, and you know what? That'll that's a joke that'll be lost on many people because it's a callback to our Ivy League episode Thank in three D that not many people probably even got through because it was in three D. So yeah, yeah. I guess sorry that's what about I'm that. Saying, Chuck. Yeah, sorry about the three D episode, everybody. We have uh, made sure that that will never, ever, ever happen again. All right, should we go back to the early days of Girl Scouting? We should, but while we're at it, I want to give one more shout-out to another Girl Scout troop. I'm affiliated with two. Uh, I want to shout-out Troop 17107. That is my niece, Mila, the movie star's troop. Oh, that's great. I like to call it Troop Beverly Hills. (laughs) Is Shelly Long the leader? Or uh, not Shelly Long. Yeah, Yeah, Shelly Long. Shelly Long. And she is actually the leader, yeah. 
That's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, All right, so let's go back in time, and congratulations to both of those young ladies for pursuing this, because what I learned from researching the Girl Scouts is that it is a pretty great organization, and they have, um, you know, I I tried to dig into controversies and stuff like that, but, um, and I'm not disparaging the Boy Scouts, they're great too, or Scouts USA, but they they have certainly had a little more controversy over the years than the Girl Scouts. Well, one of the, the reason that the Girl Scouts tend to be controversial is because they're Inclusive, <laughs> like yeah, that's, exactly. That's the problem that people have with girls because like, you can't trouble. let that other human being in. They're a little different than the other human beings in this troop. That's the controversy that comes up typically. Yeah, they have always been more inclusive. I think in the 1950s, the Girl Scouts desegregated, and it took all the way to 1975, and a lot of pressure from the NAACP for the Boy Scouts to do so. And also of note, Chuck, is by the time the Boy Scouts fully integrated their troops, the Girl Scouts were already on their first African-American president. So That's they right. have been progressive from the outset. And then um, even though it took to the 50s, I guess, to integrate, they were um, inclusive of uh, girls with disabilities, too, because the woman who founded the Girl Scouts, uh, Juliet Gordon Lowe, um, she uh, was deaf. She became deaf after an accident. So she made sure that girls with disabilities were included from the get-go. That's right. And we want to shout out by name Gloria D. Scott, first African-American president of the Girl Scouts in 1975. Uh, But let's go back in time to Juliet Gordon-Lowe, who was a Southern gal from Savannah, Mm. Georgia. Yeah. (laughs) No? It it sounded like a cross between Andy from The Office doing a Southern (laughs) thing and Kevin Spacey in Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. Oh, boy. That was one of the worst accents ever. So not good all the way around. Yes, uh, Juliet Gordon-Lowe is from Savannah. She was raised uh, in the South and, um, you know, had a, came from, I don't think it was like a rich family or anything, but a family that was doing well enough to where she got a really good education compared mm-hmm. to some of her peers. Mm-hmm. And she uh, ended up getting involved in a marriage that wasn't so great, uh, a husband that was um, an alcoholic and a gambler and a philanderer. Mm-hmm. And their whole marriage and divorce saga lasted many, many years because it was a time where getting a divorce wasn't super easy. And then he had a stroke and she thought she maybe should stay with him. But he had a mistress who he left his money to. He eventually died during divorce proceedings. But long story short, she ended up a widow and went to London where she had a very fateful meeting at a luncheon party one day with Sir Robert Baden-Powell. Yes, and this guy is the guy who co-founded the Scouts, the Boy Scouts and the Girl Guides. If you are a, a, at least back in the day, if you were a Girl Scout over in the UK, you were a member of the Girl Guides. But they're all affiliated under a single umbrella, basically a, a whole a bunch of different scouting groups around the world. And at first, um, uh, Juliet Lowe, her nickname was Daisy, by the way, um, she was... Uh, a scout leader, a troop leader for Girl Guides over in England. But when she moved back to the United States full time, she said, I'm going to set up my own shop, basically, based on my experience that's there. And she set up the the first Girl Scout troop meeting in uh, March of, I believe, 1912. Um, And it included 18 girls. And the first registered Girl Scout was her niece, uh, Daisy Gordon, who I take it was named after her. That's wonderful. And I think they were even called the Girl Guides at first. Oh, is that right? I think so. Okay. And I, and I should have had that uh, 
down cold, but I'm pretty sure that I saw that. But uh, regardless, they either were Girl Scouts initially or became Girl Scouts. And, you know, she just the whole thing appealed to her, teaching girls um, how to be uh, self-sufficient, how to know their way around a campfire, how to um, be meaningful to their community. There's a lot of community service involved that really all spoke to her. And these days, you can get involved in the Girl Scouts if you're between 5 and 17, Mm -hmm. and they are broken down thusly. uh, Daisy Scouts, which I guess comes from uh, Juliet's name, right? Her nickname? Yes. Daisy Scouts are the littlest, the most adorable, I imagine. So cute. Uh, Brownies, I I, I never knew that. I thought brownies was the first step in. So daisies come before brownies. Mm -hmm. Then you have your junior scouts and then Girl Scouts rounded out with uh, 11 to 17-year-olds. And I believe they used to be cadets, seniors, and ambassadors, but um, now those are the names that they take. I've seen them referred to still as cadets, ambassadors, and seniors on the Girl Scout site. Okay, so uh, they still use that some? I guess so, but yeah, once once you reach a certain age, I guess 11, they lump you in together with all of the older girls. That's right. Uh, the Daisies are five and six, like I said, and they meet with a couple of adult leaders. They earn pedals, uh, learning pedals, which is super, super awesome and sweet. I mean, this whole thing is overflowing with just, you know, sugary goodness. Well, yeah, and those pedals, too, they're based on the 10 points of the um, the uh, Girl Scout law, which are things like, you know, be considerate and caring. So that's a pedal. Courageous and strong is a pedal. Honest and fair. Responsible for what you say and do. So it's like some pretty great, you know, character development from a very young age. Yeah, and those 10 laws are also <laughs> represented by the the Girl Scout dime, isn't that right? Yes. So you can get a free dime just by becoming a Girl Scout <laughs> because one of the ceremonies get is the, the ceremony of the dime. And that dime, 10 cents, represents the 10 points of the Girl Scout law. And the Girl Scouts are like, wait a minute. I just gave you $25. You gave me a dime. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and they're like, you just learned your first life lesson, chump. Welcome to the Scouts. Uh, but regardless of which group <laughs> you are on, you are earning these pedals, these badges, these patches. In various ways. Uh, A lot of times it's by completing a craft project. Uh, Sometimes an older group may, like, present the American flag at a professional baseball game. Uh, Sometimes there's a lot of STEM activity these days. Yes. Uh, You know, it started out sort of with more, you know, as as you would think back in the 1930s, things like cooking and stuff like that. And I think they still – uh, don't shy away from that. But these days, it's all about STEM and getting girls into science, technology, engineering, and math. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they're doing full-on coding and stuff like that. So they really kind of rolled with the times. Yeah, and a lot of that develops over time. So, like, if you're a daisy, they'll start introducing you to that STEM stuff where it's like, you know, <clears throat> this is a car. Draw a picture of a car. And it's kind mm-hmm. of like automotive engineering is the, just the very beginnings of it. But then by the time you're like a brownie, you're like building prototypes of a car that's of your own yeah. design. So it starts to progress pretty quickly. And then, yeah, coding's a really big one too. So there's like a foundation of those kind of things, um, but it just gets a little more advanced as the girl goes through the scout ranks. Yeah, and I got to say, you know, it really struck me today how brilliant the badge idea is for Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts. And giving kids something to work for and like seeing them through to an endpoint of a goal mm-hmm. so they can earn something because kids really love to earn a little prize for accomplishing something. It's really meaningful. Yeah. 
they, aside from these individual things that they can earn, uh, there are also group service projects for the whole troop mm-hmm. uh, where they you do a lot of community service. They might collect food and clothing for a homeless shelter, or they might decorate a nursing home over yeah. holidays uh, yes. and s- stuff like that. And the older they get, you know, the more uh, the more advanced these things are and the more, um, not autonomy necessarily, but just just the more advanced these projects are that they can bite off. Yeah, and as they get older, they're expected to do projects on their own, community service projects. Um, they go, they do what are called journeys uh, where they learn about a new thing. Um, and they, the uh, my friend Annabella says that this past winter, or no, this coming winter, they'll they will likely buy a bunch of clothes and presents for two or three families who do not have enough money. We yeah. will then wrap the gifts, and someone brings it to that family. This is just That's one great. example. Sure. Uh, as they progress, and you know, by the time they're in that final group of Girl Scouts from eleven to seventeen, they start to focus on potential careers and what these mm-hmm. girls are interested in and what they might want to do and then steering them toward that whether it's um eco action and and environmentally uh friendly and cleaning up parks and stuff like that yes uh but all of these service projects and all of this stuff is really all about just building skills as well as building confidence absolutely absolutely and independence and um self-reliance and also just kind of being like a generally good person too, you know, not yeah. self-reliance or independence by taking advantage or exploiting others' weaknesses, but becoming independent <laughs> and self-reliant while also being like a person of character and somebody you can trust. It's important. That's, the second part is important too. Yeah, that's tech bro camp that you were talking about. <laughs> right, or pharma bro camp. <laughs> pharma bro camp. Right. Oh, boy. Let's take a break on that one and discuss whether we'll even edit uh, that out. No, let's leave it. Okay, we'll be right back, everybody. Still laughing at that. <laughs> That's good. That's a good sign, Chuck. Um, so, yes, there's a lot of focus on STEM careers now, um, or uh, just even interest in STEM hobbies like coding. Um, but there's also like still ver- a very uh, large emphasis on being outdoorsy. You know, yeah. Um, which is one of the original things that the Girl Scouts were into back when Juliet Gordon Lowe was. Uh, the founder and still active. And she like poured herself into this, by the way. This is like we really breezed past her biography, but she was a very interesting, oh, yeah. very worthwhile human being <clears throat> with very little of that, you know, when you're talking about somebody from 100 years ago, you're like, and then we'll just kind of glaze over this because she was a product of her time. Now, she was a very progressive person who yeah. would fit in quite well today, I think. Um, and she she was just a good person. But um, she emphasized things like outdoorsiness in addition to, you know, learning how to cook and run a home, um, that kind of stuff. So that that whole emphasis is still around today with things like camping. Um, that's still a big part of being a Girl Scout is spending time at camp and spending time outdoors too. Yeah, brownies, I think by the time you're a brownie and then a junior and then a full-on Girl Scout, you definitely go on camping trips. Uh, mm-hmm. You go on overnight trips. Sometimes they're at 
uh, established camp. Sometimes it's a little more uh, rustic kind of style camping. Yes. Uh, sometimes the scout leaders can kind of bite off all of the responsibility if they're comfortable with that. And sometimes they go to places where they have what's called a core staff who are kind of doing meals and stuff like that. There's really no exact set way it can go down. But the point is, is to get these girls out in the woods, uh, adventuring, building campfires, rock climbing, doing crafts, making s'mores. Mm-hmm. Um, just something that really speaks to me and that I really believe in, of course, because I grew up doing that stuff. And by the way, if you like s'mores like I do, I like s'mores anything. Sure. Me too. You can thank the Girl Scouts for that because they are the ones with the first recorded recipe for s'mores. What? Did they yes. invent the s'more? Yes. Um, back in, I don't know if they invented it, but they told everybody else about it. Back in 1927, there was a Girl Scout handbook that had the first printed recipe for s'mores. It, it was so old-timey, they were called some mores. They, <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't turned into a contraction until the 70s. I never knew that's what it stood for. I never thought about it. What? I don't know. I just I always just called them s'mores. I never thought about the fact that it was a contraction. Sure. It stands for some mores. Some mores, yeah. Because once you have one, you want some more. Yes, but apparently in this 1927 article, it says that while they're called s'mores, just one is plenty filling, basically. I'm paraphrasing. Uh, I got a, a level up recommendation for your s'more game. Okay. And I'm a s'more traditionalist. I don't like to get too fancy, but I have lately started. Um, I'll get the the Ghirardelli dark chocolate caramel squares. Oh, okay, nice. Instead of a regular old Hershey, I'll throw one of those dark chocolate caramel s'more squares in there. Yeah, and it, it's really pretty good. The addition of the caramel is nice. Yeah, basically, and I'm so sorry to the good people of Pennsylvania, but the Hershey chocolate is is. Basically, anything is a level up from that, as long as it's not like the generic store brand version of chocolate. Oh, it's I not know. really good chocolate, to tell you the I truth. I know. I know. There's Should so much better that? chocolate out there, <laughs> especially if you travel uh, eastward across the Atlantic. All the chocolate over there is amazing. And then if you keep going east and you hit Japan, all of their chocolate's amazing. And then you come back around and you're like, oh. We're back to Hershey again. Although you hit Garadelli Square first, and then you keep going eastward, and you hit Pennsylvania, and things get sad. Is uh, Japan has good uh, chocolate? Oh yes, Meiji Ooh. chocolate products. They make uh, chocolate covered almonds, chocolate covered uh-huh. macadamia nuts, and you can get them here in the states. Just I'll get you some, and you can okay. thank me forever. Okay. And, oh, hey. by the way, I should tell everyone you you very sweetly sent a postcard to me <laughs> with the Fred Rogers stamp, and you, you said it. here. To start your uh, stamp collection. Yes. Yeah, I'm glad you got it, man. Uh, We should also mention quickly that if you do not have a Girl Scout troop near you, or if you just would rather freestyle it, uh, you can become a Juliet, Mm -hmm. named after um, Juliet, obviously. Mm -hmm. And that is just sort of a, it seems like something you do on your own, maybe with your parents' help. You can still earn badges and stuff like that. Right. And just pay a smaller fee, but you're not, I think, officially part of a troop. No, but you're part of a council, and so we we should we should say that the Girl Scout organizations are divided into councils, um, which I think there's by my count, literally I counted. I went on the Wikipedia page and counted all the councils, um, and it's like 130 
Man, okay. I can't believe I didn't write down the exact number after going to that trouble. But it's like 130 councils around the United States. That includes like Puerto Rico um, and a couple of other areas. But there's 130 councils, and then the councils are further divided into troops. And um, the uh, I don't remember what you said that made me think about to start talking about councils and troops. The Juliets. Oh, yes. But if you're a Juliet, if you're basically a solo Girl Scout, you can do all the same things that a Girl Scout does yeah. with an adult mentor. But yeah, you're a you member of the badges. council. You're just not a member of a troop. But like when the troops get together for like a jamboree or um, they go right. to camp, you might be affiliated <laughs> with the troop or something. You're just you live too far away to go to like the weekly meetings, basically. But and boy, I hope those Girl Scouts are nice to those Juliets. I hope so, too. It kind of made my stomach a little <laughs> upset thinking about yeah, what it must be Juliet. like for Juliet. <laughs> I was thinking that a Juliet that takes a, a leadership position at, like, a council meeting or something like that deserves, like, double the patches. Because, you know, you could really easily be, like, a shrinking violet in a situation like that. I know sure. I would. Yeah. You have, like, that kind of, like, tenacity and self-confidence to, to you know, be yourself in front of a group that, like, hangs out with one another every week, it seems like, a, you know, hats off to the Juliets, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, I like the idea of Josh Clark going around the country to these meetings and just saying, raise your hand if you're a Juliet. <laughs> Double that girl's patches. And there everyone's like, who is this guy? Who is that dude? <laughs> I don't even think he's allowed from, here. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't actually see that. Are there – is it exclusively female leadership – as no. far as the troops go, or can dads do it too? I was reading a handbook um, by the uh, River Valley Council. I'm not quite sure what, what area they are in charge of, but um, they had a handy handbook about you can be a, a male Girl Scout leader, but All right, that's great. You can, you can rely on the fact that there will always be a female co-leader present right. with you. They would never leave you alone with the girls. Yeah, that's good. I wasn't sure, but I figured there are plenty of dads who would want to be involved, especially if you're a single father. Mm-hmm. It, you wouldn't want to be shut out of something like that, that kind of fun no. activity. So and that's I mean, great. Yeah, they're so well known for being inclusive that they're like, no, we can do this. There's there's a way to do this, you know? That's great. Uh, they wear their, these days, and I think for a long time, they have their uniform, which I think it used to be more of a full uniform, kind of head to toe. And now you kind of wear your regular clothes and you might have a sash or a vest or something. Or skorts, as this How Stuff Works article. <laughs> D- did it details. even say that? Oh, it yeah. does. Skorts. Skorts. Oh, gosh. <laughs> it's, that's such an ugly word to hear, but seeing it written down, it's even worse somehow. Uh, it is. Um, there, there was one other thing. I'm sorry. I want to give another shout out to a different um, sentence in this How Stuff Works article because okay. it is so like 2010 Seven. era How yeah. Stuff Works. So it's talking about how one of the traditions of Girl Scouting is to take ashes from a campfire and save it until the next time Uh you build a fire. And then you put those ashes in that fire. So there's this Uh continuous kind of chain of fires, no matter where you build the fires or when. And then it says, if more than one (laughs) scout collects ashes, they're pooled before adding them to the campfire. (laughs) As if there, anyone would have even thought about what might yeah. happen if more than one scout right. collected ashes. As if they would say, no, no, no. Don't this do scout that. is much more good looking and popular than you. Your ashes are, you just dump them on the ground right now. We're going to put only Jenny's ashes in. Yeah, we don't want your garbage ashes. <laughs> God bless uh, how stuff works 2010. I know. that. I mean, that was us. Yeah. 
I don't think I might I have written this. this one. <laughs> you did? I don't think I did. I don't think I did either. So, uh, speaking of inclusivity, uh, the Latina population by 2030, one in three girls in the United States will be Latina. And it is a really growing population. And the Girl Scouts of America recognize this. They've created Spanish language website. Uh, they have bilingual camps. They try to incorporate some of the, the culture into their meetings. Uh, and in, I think, from t- 2011 to 2016, Ana Maria Chavez served as the CEO as the first woman of color. And today, that is Judith Batty, who is the CEO, who is the first African-American woman. Uh, she is a former scout herself from Nassau County, New York, mm-hmm. which is just great. And I think a lot of times... If you scouted when you were young, you grow up and try and pass along that tradition to your children and or at least try to get them involved and then serve as, as a scout leader. Yeah, I think some some really high number, like 25% of former Girl Scouts end up volunteering for scouts when they have kids. That's right. Um, and then oh, you said that Judith Batty was the first African-American CEO. Um, mm-hmm. People are probably like, wait a minute, you guys mentioned a woman named Gloria back in the 70s. She was the first African-American president. Right. CEO is a relatively positions. new position for Girl Scouts. I think uh, in the 21st century it was created. Can we talk about these cookies? Have we taken a, a second break yet? No. We should take a second break because I need to go gather some cookies to fortify myself before we start talking about cookies for like 10 minutes. <laughs> All right. Go get a cookie, everybody. Okay, right. Chuck, I'm ready. Cookie time. Uh, like you said, $800 million in sales uh, I have from 2018, what, and it was about the same in 2019, I think. Yeah, my friend, that is more than Oreo generates in a given year. That's amazing. And this <laughs> idea goes <laughs> way, way back. Uh, in 1917, uh, a Girl Scout troop baked some cookies. Sold Mistletoe them at- troop from Muskogee, Oklahoma, shout out. The high school cafeteria as their service project. And then in 1922, in their uh, publication, The American Girl, they gave out the recipe and they basically said right away, hey, listen, we're going to make some money off these. because People are crazy for these. You can make six or seven dozen of these for a little more than a quarter, up to 35 cents. And we're going to sell them for that amount per dozen. Yeah. And they were like, this is how we're going to fund our organizations. And People loved them. I mean, it's become a part of American tradition is the Girl Scout cookie drive because uh, that's the only place you can get these exact cookies, and people love them, including me. Yeah, so, yeah, they're good cookies. Uh, of course, obviously, without question, the tagalongs are the best of the best by far. That is my number two. Oh, you're kidding. What is number one? The do dough is my favorite, which is the peanut butter sandwich. I I always find those hard to find. Are they are they out every year? Oh yeah, they're the uh, third most popular. Maybe I'm just like no, I'm set on the tagalongs, and I've always skipped over the dosi dos. I'll have to try those. Those are your number one, huh? Number one is the dosi dosi do. Tagalong is my number two, 
And then I will rock a Samoa, even though I'm not the biggest coconut fan, I will Uh still rock a Samoa. Okay, so one of the things you'll see about Samoas, which were introduced in 1974, by the way, um, they are frequently called caramel delights, depending on where in the country you are. Because there are two bakeries in in the country, in the world, I guess, that are licensed to make Girl Scout cookies every year. And depending on the bakery, they're either producing caramel delights or Samoas. And I guess the bakery decides what they want to call them. And people will say that's the only difference. Those people are liars, liars, liars. There is actually a very big difference between Samoas and caramel delights. Samoas are made with dark chocolate. Caramel delights are made with milk chocolate, which means having only ever had Samoas, I have not truly lived yet. Because I can imagine a Samoa with milk chocolate rather than dark chocolate is probably exponentially better, unless the milk chocolate they use is Hershey's. Oh, you would rather have the milk chocolate? Yes. Oh, interesting. Yeah, totally. You're a dark chocolate guy, huh? I mean, I like all chocolate. I'm a chocolate lover, but Mm -hmm. um, I do like dark chocolate. I've developed a real taste for it in the past 15 years or so. Okay. Yeah, I mean, like, I I would, I just wouldn't even go near it when I was a kid. I think because I ate some baker's chocolate once. (laughs) And, like, I learned a harsh lesson even though it was the wrong lesson. Um, But, yeah, I think it's an adult thing. Like, you don't like scotch when you're eight, but you love scotch when you're 30, you know? Yeah, when you're eight, you're totally a beer person. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think by popularity, Thin Mints are lead the way with 25% of sales. Mm-hmm. Samoas are number two at 19%. dosi dos are number three at 16. Mm-hmm. And then Tagalongs come in at 13. And then you've got your your trefoils at number seven, mm-hmm. or I'm sorry, with 7%. And those are the shortbread cookies, but they're still such a staple that I believe trefoils are one of the leading ones in production at least. So trefoil or trefoil, if you've ever wondered what that means... That's actually Is it trefoil? It, it, I think both work, man. Okay. Um, the, the, uh, the, I was just gently trying to put out the alternate pronunciation. Yeah. So um, it's actually referring to the shape of the cookie. And remember we talked about in the Adidas versus Puma episode, the Adidas logo is a trefoil. It mm-hmm. has three lobes. Well, that, that three-lobe shape, it actually looks like four, but the bottom one's supposed to be kind of like a point. It refers to a clover that was part of the original logo for the Girl Scout cookies that was turned into, it was kind of blown up and really kind of turned into this minimalist icon by a very famous and incredibly prolific um, logo designer named Saul Bass. Oh, yeah. He He, did uh, Hitchcock posters. Oh, he did everything. And opening credits. He did the Shining poster, the very famous The Shining poster. Mm -hmm. Um, He did Minolta, Warner Brothers, Kleenex, Dixie Cup, the Hanna-Barbera Star, AT&T, United Way. I mean, basically everything. And one of the signature things about Saul Bass's logos is the ones that he created in the 70s are still in use today. Like, they may have, you know, made them, like, three-dimensional or changed the color slightly, but it's basically the same thing. That guy was that good. But he came up with this, um, this, this new updated trefoil version of the Girl Scout logo back in 1979, and they're still using it today. And if you look closely, it is, um, the, the three-lobed clover, uh, that was part of the original logo, makes up the hair of the girls, and there's three girls, 
The middle one is a girl of color. The other two are white, and they're all smiling and looking to the right toward the future, which is pretty cool if you think about it. I love that. I got one, something I want to play for you real quick. Okay. Trefoil. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I could find one that said trefoil. Right, go find one then. I'll, I'll give you a minute. I'll find a robot that says trefoil. <laughs> You'll build a robot. I know you. <laughs> you won't be defeated. <laughs> so uh, there, it, I was looking at one other thing about cookies real quick. Uh, I was looking at the um, at like all of the cookies they ever came out with. And there were not a bunch that I was sad to miss, but I did see two that escaped my attention that I wish I had, had eaten. One were apple cinnamons. It mm. was out from 1997 to 2001. Doesn't that sound good? Love apple cinnamon. And then another one were Savannah Smiles, which I just mm. missed because I wasn't paying attention. But they are lemon coolers that were out from 2012 to 2019. So if we oh, have any clout with the Girl Scouts whatsoever after this episode, I want to put in a personal request to bring back Apple Cinnamons and yep. bring back Savannah Smiles. And what if they just sent you a VHS copy of the movie Savannah Smiles from 1980-something? I'd be okay-ish <laughs> with it. Uh, here's the kind of neat thing about the Girl Scout cookie drive is they can earn um, badges, uh, the Cookie Connection badges, Cookie Biz badges, uh, dough charms. Mm-hmm. They can earn things, but it's not by selling the most, which is what happens at Pharma Bro Camp. (laughs) Like, the biggest markup and the most sales is what gets you your badges there. Mm -hmm. It is for setting a goal and accomplishing that goal, whatever it is. It could be for making a really great advertisement or poster or maybe putting an advertisement in the local paper. Uh, It could be writing a story about the, the sale and getting that published or something. There are all kinds of cool ways to earn those cookie badges that don't and and I don't think any of them include. Well, we sold the most. Uh, right? No, it's 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 the local press that that hops on who sold the most, or <laughs> you know. But the Girl Scouts themselves, they're like, yes, we you go out and sell it. But the point is setting goals, reaching goals, learning. Like they have a digital. Like it's basically like Salesforce, but for Girl Scout cookies called Digital Cookie, and these little girls are learning how to like run that kind of stuff. It's more of a focus on entrepreneurship than anything else. And for a long time, I was very critical of Girl Scout cookie drives. I wasn't to the level where I was oh, like no. complaining that like the Girl Scouts had set up on a public sidewalk or um, that that like there that somebody was selling their kids cookies for them at the office. I would never, it wasn't to that level or anything like that. Uh But I thought, I was under the impression that the Girl Scouts of America was basically sending these kids out to basically send all the money back to the central, like, group. And that's just not the case. Yeah. Apparently, almost all of it stays with the councils, and that money goes back into the local troops. That it's really like a self-funding thing. And I didn't really fully grasp that. And I also didn't realize how inclusive the Girl Scouts were. But now, I mean, like, I'm just, I'm going to buy all the cookies all the time. You thought Queen Tagalong just sat on her throne of money. (laughs) Pretty much, (laughs) right? No, no, no. 70% goes to the councils. 30% goes back to the bakeries. Um, and then about 12 to 17% go to the actual individual troops from the council. Mm-hmm. And that's why those annual dues are so low. $25 is, you know, most families can swing something like that a year. Right. But they still do have financial assistance if you can't, which is, which is, is wonderful. I mean, just hats off, you know. 
So the Girl Scouts, like we said, and again, we're not trying to disparage Boy Scouts, but they have always been more inclusive. Mm -hmm. They have always had policies of non-discrimination from very early on. And um, like you said, some of the controversy comes from people of a certain political persuasion, perhaps, that think um, the Girl Scouts are too independent and feminist-oriented, and they're run by militants and lesbians, and this, this the worst things that you could possibly say uh, <laughs> about, a, like, a really gr- about a really great group like this. Right. Um, in the 70s, they had Betty Friedan, our old friend, uh-huh. who we've spoken about before, um, very much a noted feminist. She sat on the board of directors, which was a great thing, but of course that didn't assuage any fears that it was a feminist organization because that was back when that was a dirty word. Um, now, you know, and uh, are we in the third wave of feminism? I honestly don't don't know. I mean, the third wave's definitely come about, but I don't know if we've reached the fourth or not by now. Well, we'll do a show on that at some point, and we'll figure out all the waves. But uh, the Girl Scouts have always been behind um, supporting legislation relevant to women, uh, stuff like Title IX, which we've talked about, uh, which is equal funding for female um, sports activities and stuff like that in colleges. And it's, it's just always encouraged young girls to be independent and to do their own thing because that's what it takes to succeed in the world. And I don't think they tag that as feminism necessarily, but they just said these are great traits to learn so you can be an, an independent woman in America or Absolutely. all over the world because they do have troops all over the world, we should mention. Yeah, and they're usually like raked over the coals whenever, you know, they they salute or they support um, like a, a, a feminist leader, a feminist activist, uh, often pro-choice activists. They're they're usually one in the same, or very often one in the same. Um, and so, you know, the the far right will just like go crazy over that and, and say the Girl Scouts are like this brainwashing machine for producing, you know, leftist agenda kids, right? Yeah. And um, that just doesn't seem to be the case whatsoever. I think really what it is is the— um, the far right seems to 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 think of groups like that, like the Girl Scouts, as as having some sort of agenda, and not realizing that the groups like the Girl Scouts like have the values that they have, which tend to be counter far right, because mainstream America doesn't share the same values as far right, and these are fairly mainstream things like inclusivity, um, equality, uh, female independence. Like those are pretty mainstream ideas. Uh, and I, 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 I guess that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> and and for those of you that want to write in, note Josh is saying far right. He's not saying all Republicans. It's a big difference. Thanks for that. But um, this is 2021, uh, and 2020 uh, was also basically uh, the beginning of 2021. And the 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 left jumped all over the Girl Scouts for tweeting out a congratulations to Amy Comey Barrett for becoming, I think, the fifth. Um, woman Supreme Court justice in history. Yeah, I saw and that. They even like put the other women on there. It was like a, a a Twitter card with all of the women Supreme Court justices' pictures on there. But uh, everybody on the left jumped all over them. So I think just like the ACLU, if both sides are mad at you, you're yeah. doing, you're, you're right. <laughs> you're doing everything right then. Yeah, the Girl Scouts is a non-religiously affiliated um, secular group, but they do have um, the My Promise and My Faith pin, 
which uh, they say complements existing religious con- uh, recognitions and allows girls to further strengthen the connection between their faith and Girl Scouts. And there is the phrase, on my honor, I will try and serve God in my country. But the official policy now uh, for the GSUSA is that you can swap the word God out if you want. And you can just say serve the community or serve others or serve humanity, mm-hmm. serve my country. Or you can just drop it all together if you want. Again, in the spirit of inclusivity. You can also – they also ruled it's okay to swap out my country for the socialist agenda. Right. <laughs> Which, I mean, some people on the far right were like, see, see. They had a problem with that Brainwashing machine. <laughs> um, also, that gold award is, did you say that your uh, Yumi's friend's daughter is going for that gold award or the silver? She is working on her silver. I will be surprised if she doesn't go for the gold. Well, only 5.5% of Girl Scouts who are eligible even get that gold. So it is very prestigious indeed. So mm-hmm. uh, let's hope she, that she can get there. Yeah, great. let me, I want to wrap up with a couple of words from her. She said that she got to read one of her essays uh, about uh, going to see Wicked on Broadway, on Broadway. And mm-hmm. she said, um, I can now say that I was literally on Broadway. Ha ha. She said, I didn't win the competition, Adorable. but out of all the girls who submitted their essays, I got in. That trip will stay with me forever. It is these small moments that will stay in my mind forever. Girl Scouts will always stay with you. You make Ugh. friends and you learn new things in life. It is so fun and amazing. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, and I guess my last thing is I want to shout out some famous Girl Scouts. Uh, I was listening to the podcast the other day with Jason Bateman and Sean Hayes and Smartless. Will Arnett. Smartless. And they had Amy Sedaris on who – is one of my favorite humans, and she was mm-hmm. talking about being a Girl Scout, which mm-hmm. is no surprise. Mm-hmm. So Amy Sedaris is a veteran, uh, and by the way, one great Instagram follow if you don't follow her. Um, Sally Ride, Venus Williams, Carrie Fisher, yeah, uh, Hillary Clinton, Michelle Obama, Taylor Swift, Nancy Reagan, Gloria Steinem, Queen Latifah, all of them, <laughs> Lucille Ball, Natalie Merchant, Martha yeah. Stewart, uh, Cheryl Crow, Katie Couric, Laura Bush, Dakota Fanning, and many, many, many more. Yeah, you and I saw the same Good Housekeeping slideshow, apparently. I know, it took so long to get there. <laughs> Did you say Natalie Merchant? She's got to get a shout-out. Yeah, she was in there. Okay, good. I used to be a big 10,000 Maniacs fan. How could you not be? I'll bet they're one of those bands where if you went back and listened to them now, you'd be like, wow, they're even better than I liked or than I realized back then. Oh, I still listen. Oh, okay. Well, there's a little tip for all you Girl Scouts out there and Boy Scouts, too. Don't be shy. Start listening to 10,000 Maniacs and see what you think. <laughs> Agreed. And thank you very much to our special guest, Annabella, from Troop 1492 in Maryland. I uh, hope we earned you a badge of some sort for this. Double our badges, I say. Double uh, the badges, stranger. And since I said double the badges, it's time for listener mail. Uh, this is Kiva Plug. You know, many, many, many years ago, I think we started our team in 2007. I'm looking now. Yes, it was. Okay. Oh, no, no, 2009. Uh, <laughs> we started a Kiva team. And for those of you who don't know, Kiva is a micro-lending website. Um, they are not perfect, but they do a pretty good job um, where you can donate very small amounts of money to uh, entrepreneurs in developing nations uh, and all over the world, not even developing nations exclusively anymore. To help people out, give them a leg up, and it's called micro-lending because ideally they repay this money, and most of the loans do get repaid. And we started our team many, many years ago. And let me read this email first. Uh, 
Hey guys, uh, recently decided to start the catalog from the beginning again. Nice. And reach the 2009 episode, Who Were the First Americans, where we plug the Kiva team for the first time. Uh, I thought it'd be a good enough reason to write in and request that you plug the team again, because it's been a while. There may be a lot of new listeners who discovered the podcast since, since then and aren't aware of the Kiva team. Uh, and this is from Lee Rondorf in Minnesota. So I appreciate the nudge, Lee. We, uh, I am very proud to say, this is amazing, dude. I, I haven't know, been man. to the site in a while. The stuff you should know, Kiva team, since its inception, has loaned nine point, almost nine point three million dollars. <laughs> Crazy. Uh, three hundred and forty-one thousand loans, uh, awesome. almost twelve thousand members, and about thirty loans per member. That is spectacular. That beats my number. I got to tell you, it's amazing. And um, I got the reminder the other day to reloan. I had about hundred bucks in there, sitting there mm-hmm. in my account. That's how it works. They'll give you the money back. It'll be in your account, and then you can go relend that money. And I'm still working off that first deposit I made many, many years ago. That's nice. I've got to go look at my account, and and uh, it's been a while. I stopped getting those nudge emails because they really yeah. work. I'm like when they, they come in, I'm like, oh yeah, I need to go relend that. So I got to go check it out, and also figure out what why I'm not getting those emails anymore. That's right. So we should encourage people to look into Kiva. If it's something you feel like you want to support, you mm-hmm. can start with just a twenty-five dollar loan to get your account started, and uh, let's. Let's get this thing well over $10 million. And I meant to tell you, too, I I refreshed our page a little bit. Oh, nice. We had some terrible old picture of us, like, in the (laughs) video studio. Yeah, I remember that picture. So I updated that with a picture of us that we like to use, and I also uh, just changed the name of the team to Stuff You Should Know and not Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Oh, wow, Chuck. Very nice. It's all modernized and streamlined. Well, if you want to join our Kiva team, go to kiva.org slash team slash stuff you should know, right? Uh, yeah, and although it does have underscores between stuff you should know, but uh, you can just go search teams for stuff you should know and make sure you do it through our team so we're all collected together. It's kind of nice. nice. And we don't discriminate. Whoever you are, we're as inclusive as the Girl Scouts are. So join up. And if you want to send us an email in the meantime, we always like to hear from everybody. You can send it off to stuffpodcast at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.